is an RFP Extra. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to the RFP Extra. Extra! <laughs> We're Extra. your host. <laughs> We're your hosts, JC, Nathan, and Brian. Wicked, wicked, Brian. What's up? <laughs> oh, what's that up, was man? That's crazy. Best intro we've ever done. Yes, it is. Uh, hey, Brian, can you beatbox? You know, I actually can. I can Let's actually do the old school. Remember? Remember Run DMC? Remember that? Let's hear that again. I don't think you want to, man. Once is enough. I'm my stuff. Go. <laughs> Once is enough. Are you ready? Go. <laughs> I can't do it. My my lips aren't working, man. I just this can't do it. This is the story all about how <laughs> copyright. <laughs> yeah, I pulled up to the house about seven. <laughs> Little shout out to yes. uh, I, there's another podcast that does that. I can't remember who it is. I've heard that they do the. We need a little something because we don't have our intro on this one. That's right? some bass right there. Did you it is it? some bass. It's pretty good. Yeah, pretty amazing. <laughs> Hey, I promise you it's not on the Carrie Newhoff podcast. <laughs> Shout out. Right off the bat. Well, Here we go. Platt was on there this week, right? Are you telling me Platt didn't beatbox? You know, he didn't, but he did talk about some great things, man. Every time David Platt talks, I feel like I either need to get saved or go to the mission field. I, I just can't I can't figure out which one. Yeah, but he's not as bad as um Paul Washer. Hmm. Man, I can't listen to like. Wait. I wonder if the apostles were saved when I hear Paul Washer preach. <laughs> <laughs> I seriously hey, start thinking that Paul, that Paul got it wrong. <laughs> like the apostles. I was Paul. in, I was in a service a while back uh, where John Piper preached, and he preached on missional living. And mm, when he finished, when he finished, man, I just felt like such a failure. It's like, what have I been doing my whole life? I've wasted hey, it. You know what that's called? Yes. Conviction. conviction. I can't yes, listen to uh, Robbie Zacharias. Man, his voice just puts me to sleep. I have a picture to prove. <laughs> you got a video. You can't listen to <laughs> hey Brian, me, me, JC and I were at Passion 2020. The oldest two men at Passion 2020. And that is not true. But we were right up there with him. Uh, they called us sir everywhere we went. I was so excited because Robbie Zacharias was preaching. And I looked over at JC about 37 seconds into the sermon. His mouth was hanging open and he was out. I'm talking out of it. I checked his pulse to see if he was alive. I actually pulled out and I need to post this on RFP uh, on the uh, Facebook page. The oh, video of so you sleeping. You, I was he well, old, man. Out of it. It was awesome. I was laughing so hard. The camera was The people shaking. sitting next to us was like, what is going on? And, then and it, Yeah, there's girl. some guy in the background and he's like, why is this guy videoing me? But it was, and the sermon was awesome. But JC was just, Zoned out. JC was out. JC, JC, I'm gonna bail you. I'm gonna bail you out. Um, I've got a confession to make. I have always wanted to hear a Tim Keller sermon all the way through, and so my wife bought me these Bluetooth headphones uh, so I could listen to preaching as I as I go to sleep at night because I like to lay in the bed and listen to preaching. It would keep her awake. So she bought me these headphones, and uh, I I take a ten I take a ten milligram melatonin gummy. Uh, and, uh, and, and I lay down, I put my headphones on. I've listened to Tim Keller 
over and over and over again. And I can't tell you one sentence he's ever said. I am out like a light. And, uh, I feel like so, you guys are picking on me. You know, John Piper and Tim uh, Keller are two of my favorite preachers, right? Man. Well, see, do, do you really listen to them or do you just say that to impress people? I listen to them. I read them. <laughs> I well, love really? Ravi Zacharias. Like it's just like that was one of the best sermons I've it's ever like heard. Listening to paint dry. <laughs> well, hold on, hold on, Nathan. Nathan, what? I have a gift I want to give you. What? Did you ever know that you're my hero? You're on a whole different level, man. <laughs> you know, just I heard a little Piper bit of one time. Wings. I've heard Piper preach one time in my life. It was my in between my freshman year of college and my senior year in high school. I went to the first one day or excuse me, Passion, out in Memphis when he preached uh, Don't Waste Your Life. 2000 or 2000? 2000. The, the seashell sermon. The seashells. Oh, my word. That is I so was awesome. sitting there amongst, what, 20,000, 30,000 college students out in this field, and this dude's up, <clears throat> excuse me, this dude's up there preaching powerful, yeah. powerful sermon. Just talked about, uh, you know, don't waste your life, and and would you rather, look, Lord, here's my, my shell collection. Yeah, Man, dude. it was powerful. I remember it like it was yesterday. And then I've tried to listen to him preach since then, and I just can't do it. I'm like, preach the seashell message. I've, I've heard, <laughs> I've heard that a lot. But uh, I, you know what I love of his is the uh, prosperity gospel uh, sermon jam. If you haven't seen it. that, dude, it's awesome. He goes off on the prosperity gospel. Normally, when I get lost in a vortex of YouTube one. videos, it's it's bad preaching. It's, bad. <laughs> it's not good preaching. It's bad preaching. Have y'all seen this new guy, Independent Baptist Church? I think it's in Tampa. That's a very creative oh, name. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's, I think I can't remember his name, but he's in like a, a Howard Johnson's ballroom or not. No, it's not a ballroom. <laughs> it's smaller. It's like the it's a little bitty conference room. And Man. Yeah, I think it's more like I think it's more like a budget in or something. Uh, that's right. Howard jo- Hojo's tell. a little bit too nice. <laughs> it's the economy. <laughs> but he he was pre- like when you watch him preach, I've I've watched this is horrible, but I've spent more time laying in bed watching this man preach. And it's like he has written down, say bless God here, because he'll be preaching bless God, you know, and then he's got this saying, I can't remember what cue cards. Be, Someone's holding up cue cards. Yeah, but he's got the saying like you can slap it, love it, dump it, or lump it, take it across the street and dump it or something. Bless God. And I'm like, it, it's like a Nathan, Saturday night live episode. It really is. It's that bad. Have you I watched think Nathan it? knows that saying Nathan, what is it? Like it, lump it, stump it or jump it. Amen. <laughs> hey, bless God. Oh. And uh, JC, have you noticed the way he moves his arms and it's just really odd. You know, I mean, we all know in order to preach with power, you have to move your arms like Francis Chan and Matt Chandler. Um, you can practice yeah. that all day long. You have to hold them up high and out wide, mm-hmm. and then you have to move your hands for everything that comes out of your mouth. You can't randomly move your hands and then say, bless God. There's no power in that. I'm just waiting for a suspender to pop off. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching a, a Twitter. I saw a Twitter video today of a guy talking about music and how we sing on the one and three, but worldly music is doing two and four now. And he was talking about the triads and things like it was. It was the biggest waste of five minutes that I'll never have back. But he was talking about the vocal, the vocal tonnage in your voice. Listen, I remember, Brian, you, you traveled Southern Gospel. So did I. We've been yeah, from that. all over the country. But, but when I was traveling Southern Gospel before that, it's um, good I would go into some schools and they would literally told me. I remember a music teacher telling me this because I was singing in chapel at a Christian school. He said, now I know you're a gospel singer and you travel all over the nation singing in Southern gospel, but here we want to ask that you don't do the 
inflect uh, fle- what is it inflection in your vocal cords yes. or your vibrato we keep straight tones here and please no movement of your hand because we don't want it to draw to the worldly tones that are in our voice and i was like hmm. i don't i don't know how to sing without like adding some vibrato cuz it's i have bad air control i guess i don't <laughs> know what it is but it was the weirdest thing i remember i remember hearing and i don't know that video just made me i actually have a i actually have a similar story um, you know, I grew up in Mount Air, North Carolina, and we grew up on bluegrass and singing bluegrass gospel. And, you know, basically everyone at our church sang, I mean, you know, we were all related, but, um, you know, we, we sang and, and growing up on bluegrass, you know, you just always feel what you're singing. So you have movement in your voice. And, um, I'll never forget. I was in a service one night and we sang the lighthouse. You remember the lighthouse, the great Ronnie yeah, Henson hymn of all times. But on so um, when we sang, oh, when we sang the lighthouse, yeah, thank you so much. But when we would <laughs> sing the song, there was actually some notes on the piano that would be hit, you know, that would set you up to hit, you know, just certain runs and notes, you know, we were listening for, for just a particular melody there. And so I used to go into the song and, uh, it was, there's a lighthouse mm. on a hillside, something like that, but it was Still got you know, years it, ago. Man. Nah, not even close, but I'll never forget uh, at the end of service, I had someone scold me. They said that I only moved my voice because I wanted to be noticed. And that if I, if I wanted to sing the song, and God get the glory, then I wouldn't do all those vocal runs and move uh, movements in my voice. So I have a similar story. It's kind of crazy. Man, that note that you just hit really that was that was excellent. It was oh, good. I think I was off. I was thinking how horrible it sounded. <laughs> I like hey, this. We should, well, look, we should speaking go on the road. RFP RFP needs to be a the new Southern Gospel. Trio. <laughs> so speaking Phillips, of Craig Southern Gospel, Dean, watch out. Take yeah, it by store. Hold it. <laughs> Phillips, Craig, and Dean, they're like they're like at least 90 now. Um they are really old. Hey, <laughs> I'll never forget. <laughs> hey, my wife wanted to go to uh a Phillips Craig and Dean concert for her birthday, and uh we ended up getting lost and we couldn't find it. And from the back seat, my daughter said, Thank God we didn't have to go hear those old people <laughs> sing. <laughs> I love it. Oh my goodness. Was that Marley? No, that was actually Sydney, but Oh, um, is it that's hilarious. My well, wife and I went of- on a date night and uh we we got away, went to eat, and we're driving by this church in Chattanooga and I saw some, I saw some really old like Silver Eagle buses and I was like, babe, there's a gospel concert happening in there. <laughs> she said, Let's go. We walked in. I am not kidding with you. There were more people on the stage singing. It was like three quartets, and they were trying to do that King's Gold thing. You remember that, Brian? When oh, they'd come back up after. Yeah, and they'd get up there, and there was three quartets on the stage singing. So, twelve people up there singing. More people on the stage singing than sitting in the crowd. And we walked in, and it was like they got new life. They're like, "Oh, we have people here." We sat through a half a song and got up and left. <laughs> I felt so bad. I, oh, I was getting PTSD. I was like, "I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here." It was bad. Hey, I was talking to a friend of mine recently. He went to preach a revival, and uh the pastor got up and he said, "All right, now come on up, choir." And when everybody finished getting on the platform, the pastor said he was the only one left in the audience. Yes. He said the whole platform was covered with people. And they sang like there was a thousand people there. 
no joke, I went to a revival service in Ringgold, Georgia, not three years ago. You know where this is, right by Choo Choo Barbecue on Three Knots mm-hmm. Road. I sat on the very back row. <laughs> he called the choir up. Exact same thing. Every single person went to the choir loft except for me. Pastor, they get up there. They sing one song. Pastor got up and said, well, we want to welcome you to our service tonight. And I was like, thanks. And I got up and left in the middle of one of their songs. They were literally singing to nobody. I've got this trend where I like to go in and leave. Yeah, I'm noticing that. So I do have a question. We were talking about about Southern Gospel a minute ago. I saw a revival poster today, and, you know, they were – they were heralding old time preaching and we all know that God can, you know, only send great revival under old time preaching. But but then they showed all of the Southern gospel groups that's going to be at this particular meeting. How do Southern gospel groups get a free pass? Because they don't attend independent Baptist churches. They rarely ever go to church themselves. You know, they, I mean, they get by with everything and I'm not saying all of them are bad. You know, there's some good people in that world, uh, but, how is it they get by with everything and how is it God sends revival if you don't have like everyone under that particular banner of old time religion? How's that work? Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I don't I don't even see where they you know, you hear a lot of times the the verses quoted about the old paths and yeah. and things like that. But there's a verse in Ecclesiastes seven that says, Say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Man, that's good. I mean, come on. Do we not try to glorify the old days? People are always people. I mean, people are sinful. Religion is always corrupted by Pharisees, legalists. And I mean, that that verse just clearly spells it out that you can't go back to a point in history where everything was perfect. Right. Uh, I mean, look at the Puritans. Yeah. Slave owners. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they wrote some really good stuff. They had some amazing prayers. Look at the 70s. You've got, well, I, at some point, evidently, they wore overalls and white shirts because when you watch videos of the old time way, Apparently. you got folks with overalls and white shirts. I remember old time way. When I think of that, I go back to, you know, late 80s, early 90s, Lee Robertson, the double breasted suit. Like when mm, I think old yes. time religion, that's where I go to. Yeah, when you know? we go back to old time religion, why don't we get to go back to like the 1500s when it was still legal to like burn people at the stake if they were of a different, different denomination? It's like there's were. just certain, if it for, fits your parade, I think this answers your question too, Brian. If it fits your narrative, then it's fine Ooh. because there are Southern gospel groups that some of these guys won't allow in because they do some dancing on the stage. They don't do the 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 hymns if you will or they don't do like right. the the good harmonies tight harmonies they have too many vocal lyrics that move and things like that i think if it fits your narrative you don't care what they live like but let's be honest i mean go ahead no i actually talked about that online a little bit this week you know when when you're sold out to a narrative to the point that uh, you you will advance that narrative at all cost and truth doesn't even impact your life. You know, for example, I, I think old-time religion, I think it's like the Sasquatch and the Loch Ness Monster. People talk about it, but no one can really tell you when it happened. I was reading some books uh, a while back from some of the Keswick writers and Graham Scroggie and and a lot of those great old writers, and there was even oh, a statement. Yeah, there was even a statement in there about old-time religion, and they were talking about old times. And uh, so we know that wasn't referring to the 70s when all of the piano players played the saloon style and had beehives and the pastors have had Elvis hair. 
And, uh, you know, we, we know that it wasn't that. And so I think what happens is people overly romanticize when they were young. And in the end, we end up thinking that when we were young was better than it actually was. You know, people have always been sinful. People have always needed redemption. You know, for example, recently I heard a pastor in one of the clips on Twitter talking about Percy Ray. And some of the things he was saying is just so insane. You know, you would think that Percy Ray had had apostolic power. And uh, I think sometimes we so overly romanticize the preachers of days gone by that we're really confused about who, who our Savior and Lord is, who our Redeemer is. That's good. That's deep. Nate, you were saying something the other day, how you used to tell how, like, you could you, you looked at every group that came in. What was that Yeah, you every saying? Southern Gospel group that came and sang at our church or our camp meeting. I always looked as a young boy to see if they brought their Bibles. Yeah. The reason I did that was because they never did. I'm they never brought their Bibles. I've seen them get up there and sing, and I'm talking shed tears and oh, work yeah. up emotions mm. and sing the same verse 47 times. And then they would go sit down and immediately... I mean, the preacher gets up and he starts reading, and they yeah. just zone out, check out, fall asleep. Well, I'll be honest, I'm gu- I'm guilty of that because when we were traveling singing, it was all about selling our albums and singing, and I never took my Bible in. But I t- I think the first time that it really came to mind, and I I, I think I was like face to face with the fact that there's a lot of fakeness that's going on here. We were singing at the Memorial Auditorium in Chattanooga, Tennessee. It was us and three groups: hmm. uh, Gold City, Kingsman. Uh, and there was, Ooh, I think, nice. McCamey's or something like that. And there was a, there was a singer. Poor boy. I have never heard that song. Who owns everything? Oh man, I know it. I, yeah. How do I not know that song? Anyhow, I don't know. But there was a, there's, a, there's somebody with one of those groups that we were the opener group. You know, I mean, we we had a little group of some buddies, and we're walking off the stage, and this guy was running late, and he said, "Get out of my GD way! I got to go sing about Jesus." Hmm. And it blew my mind. He, he said it, the words, and it blew my mind that here, here I am. He doesn't know who I am. And I'm walking off stage. He says, get out of my GD way. I got to go sing about Jesus. And it blew my mind. And I literally stood there and Tim Keith, who sang with us, stood there with me. And both of our mouths were wide open. I was just like, can you believe that just happened? It was so unreal. Sad. It was like one of the most, one of the realest moments that, and then I, st- I think what it did is it kind of started peeling the onion back. Cause then I started seeing a lot of. Yeah fakeness if you mm-hmm. will uh, just a lot of the it's it really is just to show i have family if you will that will only go to a church and minister air quotes if they're getting a paycheck mm-hmm. other wow. than that they don't step foot into a church and you know that's just that that's legalism in a whole different kind of way yeah. i mean that's yes. that's one of my one of my favorite stories disgusting. yes one of my favorite stories ever uh my dad was preaching a revival and this Southern Gospel group got up and they sang and sang and sang for like at least an hour and a half or so. It was like 20 minutes till nine. And my dad was getting up to preach. And as he was getting up to preach, they were getting ready to just walk out the back door. And so my dad from the pulpit said, hey, wait a minute, where are you going? And they turned around and you could tell they were stunned. They didn't know what to do. And my dad from the pulpit said, I've been sitting here listening to you sing for the last hour and a half. Every one of you come back in here and sit down and listen to me preach. It was awesome. Man, that's good. You know what, guys? We've been given a lot of a lot of encouragement over the last few weeks from this podcast, and we've got we've gotten some negative, no, <laughs> yes. no doubt. But there's been some positive, and and I just want to share some of those that we've gotten in. Uh, we got a we got a message from a guy named Matthew. I love this. He says, "Guys, I can't tell you how, enough how much I appreciate y'all." 
what you're doing with this podcast. My wife and I have recently found ourselves lost, for lack of better words, not in the sense of faith, but our identity. My wife grew up IFB, homeschooled, amen, kindergarten to 12th grade right Shout here. Shout out. Yep. Uh, we attended Hiles Anderson College. I got saved later in life at a liberal IFB church. We went to a church in Orange Park, Florida, where I was indoctrinated and, tra- and trained. I eventually, eventually surrendered to preach, despite the feeling that I didn't quite fit in with some of these other preacher boys. Mm. Know that feeling, man. After years of serving in various ministries, we moved and are currently working to start a church in North Carolina and are having services in our home with our family. I want to share more of my story with you guys at some point. Matthew, we are excited to hear your story. He says, we have found ourselves in limbo a, uh, limbo a bit, and uh, we would love your insight, and we love what you guys are talking about. When we pulled away from the IFB, we were honestly alone in the wilderness of North Carolina with no support, no encouragement other than God, which has sustained us so far. Finding your podcast and hearing your stories has given us hope and made us feel like we're not alone in this world. Hey, thank God. If nothing else, I'd like to say thank you, and God bless you and your ministries, and I love the chance to talk as to you guys someday and share more of my story. Matthew, we will definitely be in touch. He says, please continue these podcasts for as long as you can. You've got a couple of lifelong listeners between my wife and I. Thank you again, and God hey, bless. Great. Man, Matthew, thanks for writing in. Keep listening, brother. I hope you're encouraged and uh, know you aren't alone, and God is working in you. Don't let what is happening around you Cloud your view of what God has said about you. He's called you. He's equipped you. And right now you're on that journey to find that next step. And so we're praying for you. Yes. And we're here for you. Brian, you want to share one or Nate? Yeah, I'll read uh, the story from Jeff Lyle. Uh, He says, well done on the mission and the vision of the podcast. My whole ministry has been defined by reforming an (laughs) IFB church into a New Testament biblically defined church. It took over a decade and came with countless lumps and bumps and tears, and then an eventual breakthrough. I commend the work you guys are doing thus far and trust that some who have a hunger to be biblically will be set free and glean helpful insights and courage from what you are doing. I use the scripture itself to expose how unscriptural our traditions and standards were. The Bible is the key and being motivated by love to reform the system and release those captured by it was what God blessed along the way. I hope you guys are in it for the long haul. If so, I predict you will help. And then in all caps, he has the word many written. I really appreciate that encouragement. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. You know, he said something in there that I really like, guys. I want your thoughts on this. Like uh, he said, uh, uh, he talked about reform in the IFB movement. I really feel we, we talked about this. That's why we're called to do this. Like we're, we're calling for a reformation of the independent fundamental yeah. Baptist yes. church. We all have friends in the IFB world Love them, and some, and we could name some, but yeah. there's, there's some guys that are awesome Incredible. creatures, awesome pastors, love the Lord. And they would agree with the things that we dislike about this also. Yeah. And, and some of them, it bothers them that we kind of lump all the IFB guys together. And we, we apologize for that because we, we know, <laughs> the 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 staple of being independent is that word independent that that they're not all the same there's not right. one type of independent baptist there is there is diverse as yeah. 
I mean, some think the King James Version is the only Bible. Some of them don't even use a Bible. I mean, it's just absolutely varies across the board. Yes. And it varies. We're calling out is the legalism in that. And I I mean, I know guys right now that are independent Baptists that dislike that junk so much. They would call that out too. And it's, it's, you know, taken in. But when he said that, that reformation of the IFB movement, that's what we're calling for to get rid of this man-made ideology, this junk that is watering down the gospel and preach the gospel. Yes. What, go ahead, Brian. That. What were you going to say? No, I was just going to say a moment ago. You know, I think, too, that varies by location as well. You know, there seems to be a different strain of independent Baptist in different places. And so when you start having an independent Baptist conversation with people, they immediately start talking about the particular circle that they're in. You know, you have people who, who would say, well, we were a Ruckmanite. And then you have other people who would say, you know, we were in the Howells camp. And then other people, you know, we were we were the camp meeting crowd. Uh, we were one step away from Pentecostalism. And so, you know, we th- I think there's so many different strains of the independent fundamental movement. And so I don't think you can make a blanketing statement. And yet there seems to be some specific tenets that exist among all of them. And that drift toward legalism is definitely what needs to be called out. Right. We got another uh, note here from uh, Anthony Quails, and uh, a buddy of mine. We used to work together, done some music collaboration together, and uh, he sent us a note. And he said, "I can't thank you guys enough for starting this podcast. As someone who grew up in the fundamentalist Baptist church and the son of a preacher, is refreshing to hear someone debunk all of the lies that I was taught to believe were biblical truths. I walked away almost twenty years ago, and still struggle with my view of God because of the damage." of a control-based religion. The final straw for me was when my Sunday school teacher in high school made everyone raise their hand if they thought that women wearing pants in the church was a sin. Not wanting to stand out, I raised my hand under pressure of what he and those around me would think. I'm older with children of my own who are now at the early stages of adulthood who have a totally different view of God than I did Mm. at their age. I'm thankful for a mother and father-in-law that helped instill an understanding of who God is and his grace in my children. I'm also thankful for the pastors and preachers who have affirmed the real truths of God's word over the last few years. I hope that this podcast continues to reach more folks and I would feel bad if it made a multitude. I wouldn't feel bad if it made a multitude of legalists squirm, LOL. (laughs) Best Anthony. Thank you, Anthony. I appreciate that note. And it's just, it's encouraging to know that people are listening and to know that uh, people relate with the stories that we are sharing. And yeah. honestly, a lot of the stories that we're, we have shared with us, some of these people need to be hosting this podcast. That's I need to it. step aside because there, there's some powerful insights in these letters yes. we're getting. And this is what we want to do on this RFP Extra is just share some of your stories. We We are... <laughs> absolutely blown away at how the number, the sheer number of stories that we're getting on Facebook through email, people that are calling in and leaving their voicemail uh, stories. And I, we just want to read a couple of these to you because you hear our voices, you hear our stuff. And so we just want to read to you a couple stories that we've gotten in, uh, like this one from Caleb that says, I live in New Jersey. I'm 22, a husband and a father of a two-month-old <laughs> daughter. Congrats. I grew up in an IFB church with my parents, my dad being a deacon. I'm the middle of five children. My brother's a youth pastor of a church, and I'm currently a senior year of Bible college at a college in South Jersey. 
My recovering story started a little over two years ago when my wife and I wanted to get married and my parents lost their minds. I realized I could never reach the level of expectation they put on my wife and I. At the time, the pastor, uh, Gary, which comes out of the IFB movement, was doing our wedding, really helped me grow in the Lord and outside of the IFB movement. Currently, I'm interning at a very small church, preaching once a month. I heard of this podcast by an IFB pastor that was criticizing it. Surprise, surprise. I really saw it as a gift from God. I love that he's criticizing, but I really saw it as a gift from God because I really needed this. I'm looking for guidance moving forward with graduating, leaving my church, and dealing with the consequences come from the shame my parents will try to put on me and all the pastors I meet through the years. I went to church camps, the meetings. I went to Christian school at the church I grew up at. I dealt with the thoughts of suicide when I was younger, no acceptance, worthlessness, and just thought I was plain stupid. But now I'm ready to lead my wife and my daughter into the way God has for us. Sometimes I rant and try to convince myself that I'm doing the right thing, but it has been such a blessing hearing y'all speak and confirming the thoughts that I have and the error that that I see too. We aren't alone. Please don't stop no matter what. We need this. Man, that man, is awesome. That's awesome. My goodness, man. I've been on that journey, and I know the isolation. And I think what holds a lot of people captive is that fear of absolute abandonment, that they're going to end up being 100% alone. And I think what's beautiful about uh, this community that's going to be started through this podcast, it's going to help people realize that you are not alone. I connect every single day with pastors from all over the country who are walking away from independent fundamentalism, and they're just looking for a place to belong. And so I just want to say to the young people, um, you're not going to be alone when you make that exodus. There are other people, you know, in the same way that, you know, Elijah was promised, there's other people who have not bowed. You, You need to realize you're not alone. You're not the only one. And so I would just give him that encouragement. Uh, but what I have, what I have actually is a question that was sent in. Is it okay if we dive into a question? Yeah, jump into it. All right. This question was sent in and it's a difficult question. I'm going to be honest. What does a wife do when her husband is the minister, when he has been influenced Mm. by the IFB movement? How do I show him respect and try to lead him away from those influences? How do I try to protect myself and my children from false teaching? It is becoming harder and harder to respect him, and I am very depressed. He knows how I believe, and he isn't a bully to me or abusive or anything like that. But I feel trapped because I can't get away from the IFB influences, the KJV only movement, the emotionalism, and Jesus turned the water into grape juice. Uh, he does. <laughs> yeah, he did. Hey, man. The movement that doesn't well, believe just- in a plurality of elders. Or, you know, your shorts must be to the knee, no mixed bathing, in-your-face evangelism, and all of the fundy things that come along with that movement, all the things he thinks is funny while I grieve over it. Please help. That's a really heavy question. A wife who's saying, I want to respect my husband, but at the same time, I don't respect the movement we're trapped in. And, um, you know, I think a lot of times women have better insight. Yeah. You know, we, I, we've been around preachers and, and different things 
in the ministry since I've been in the ministry. And there are many times my wife has said, there's, there's something not right about that guy. Same. And she's always right. Yeah. <laughs> I think women can pick up on things like that. And for a man, especially someone in a movement and someone who's part of a denomination going to camp meetings, I think a lot of times it's attractive mm-hmm. to us to, you know, we, we want to be one of those preachers one yes. day. We want to be up front. We want those preachers to know our names and sign our Bibles. <laughs> Shout out Brian Edwards. <laughs> and we, uh, you know, we kind of get sucked into that and we have blind spots, but our wives are there to help us. Yeah. Avoid those things. You know, Brian and Nate, I, I think of this. I'm, I'm going to share my story on the next episode. But part of that story, my mom, when, when I'm listening to this lady's question, I think back years ago to, to when we were coming out of this uh, legalism, this this trap that it was. My, my mom uh, was really the first one that that started helping us take that that exodus, if you will, mm-hmm. And there was a radio station in Chattanooga. Nate and I were talking about it this week. Um, J103 used to be RX107 when it first started. Yeah. And we were listening to the very first song they ever played. Do you remember it? I do. What was it? Let There Be Faith. For Him. For Him. Basics of Life. Basics of Life. We need to get back. (laughs) That's the first song. I was where there is faith. Oh, it was where there is faith. where there is faith. Yeah. Ah. We could do an all for him. You know, my, yes, my email growing up was jcg for him at AOL.com. Really? That's awesome. <laughs> that was my MySpace I love password. for him. Yeah. Man. So I, long story short, reading this lady's story, it was very similar to my mom. Because my dad, we, we came from a very, very conservative church and school in Indiana. Um, and when we got here, uh, mom started questioning why are we doing this what why, why do i have to wear culottes all the time uh what why can't we listen to music that has a beat what you know and i'll never forget we would <laughs> she'd almost sneak around but we would listen to rx 107 which is now j103 and she never ever in front of dad would question some of the things that he was throwing at us but she was faithful as a wife and loved him and <laughs> even though he was not a very loving person at times mm-hmm. Uh, she continued to to love. And, you know, when you said, I think our wives a lot of times bring us out of that, I, I give where they're at today. I mean, my dad walked into church this past week in a shirt untucked and a pair of jeans, and I was like, the rapture's going to happen. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? That, that was where it was. To think back to this point where, you know, you didn't go out of out of the house without a suit on, um, mom really helped get them out of that. And, you know, what does a wife do when her husband is a minister? My mom lived that when he's been influenced by the IFB living in that way, there's still a way to show respect, but your prayers are more powerful than any movement that they can be yeah. stuck yes. in. The prayers of a righteous woman. Yeah. You know, I really do believe that my mom praying and staying faithful as a wife, even though she was very depressed, but know that there are people around that. And this is where I want to give to don't just go through this by yourself. Yeah, Understand absolutely. you're not alone. You are going through this. There are other ladies that are there. And that's why God did not make us to live life alone. We are meant to live. Life is best lived when in the context of community. And I would encourage you, ma'am, to find some community, to talk about this stuff, to know it's not bashing your husband. It's not sinning, but it's how do I continue to grow? Because you're going to learn from those ladies also. Yeah. And Brian, you've dealt with this similar situation with your dad when you had come out of fundamentalism and he was still struggling and you guys had a lot of conversations. I wonder if you could speak into this lady's uh, situation about how you 
handled this with your dad and what eventually brought him around to see the truth? Well, I think one thing that really helps with this uh, and speaking into this for her, you know, uh, I was under the weight of honor your father and mother. She's under the weight. It's clear that she's under the weight of feeling the need to love and respect and support her husband. Uh, however, you know, I realized it, it was unloving for me not to confront him with the truth. And so what I learned to do was center everything around God's word. And our conversations would typically be, Dad, can you take the Bible and justify why you believe this? Can you take the Bible and speak to this? Uh, you know, regardless of what the issue was, um, even with the King James Bible issue, one of the other questions that someone sent in was, you know, can you enlighten me about the King James only issue? And we're going to have to do an entire episode on that or three, multiple right. 16 episodes, but I would like to talk <laughs> about that further. Yeah, I think we're going to have to do six, 1,611 uh, episodes on it. But that um, 16 episodes at 11 minutes. <laughs> ooh, wow. ooh, I like that. Uh, but, you know, I asked ridiculous. my dad the question, you know, have you read have you read the preface of the King James Bible? And of course, the answer was no. Well, Dad, how is it you feel stronger about the translation than the translators themselves? You know, they were Anglicans working for the government church, and and they said they believed that translation should be made continually so that, that it would always be in, the, in their language, the vulgar tongue. And then I asked him, you know, can you find a verse in the Bible where God ever endorsed any Bible translation in any language? And have we ever stopped to think about the fact that if what Jack Howell said is true— that the King James Bible is the seed word and that people can only be saved from the King James Bible, that means everyone on the face of the planet who can't speak English, well, they're doomed because they can't speak English. Yeah. Um, and so it was just challenging him with truth and with God's word in a respectful way. And when when it would become tense, you know, I just let it go. And And yet other times, you know, our conversations would dive deeper. And so what I would challenge this wife to do is realize that her role as a wife is more important than her role as a pastor's wife. Don't risk the health of your marriage over these issues, but pray, study God's word, and and respectfully challenge your husband because, you know, God's given you insight right now that he's not giving him. And yet, you know, you can you can through your conversation and through your manner of life and through the way you approach him, uh, over time he he will struggle with the truth. And, and if your husband is a man who truly loves the truth, truth will win. You know, I think there's a lot of excitement around this, and I love what you just said, Brian. That that really sets up an episode that's coming here in a few months as we break down the KJV-only conversation, and uh, I'm excited about jumping into those. You know, there's there's a lot of excitement around the podcast. I was eating in Zaxby's the other day, guys, and this dude walked up, and he saw my shirt, and he goes, man, I love that podcast. And he was like, who are you? I said, I'm JC. He's like, oh my goodness, he was fangirling, man. We got fans out there. <laughs> and uh, he immediately went into a story that just made me want to just throw and it's up a my food. powerful story. It's unreal. And we're mm. finding that over and over again. So we, we did this RFP extra for a couple of reasons. One, we want you to continue to send in your stories. They are powerful. And I believe that there's healing in community. Uh, God uses community to help as we, if for nothing else, you to realize that you're not alone and that Amen. we are here for you and uh, we believe in you and God's got a plan for your life and we want to continue to help you do that. Uh, we have some incredible news that's coming yes, here in a few do. weeks. This is huge. Yes, we do. Um, this is going to take 
RFP to a whole nother level, as uh, Ed Young says. And uh, <laughs> I'm excited. I, 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 I'm going to be honest, I'm a little giddy and kind of fangirling myself a little yeah. bit about this. But uh, God has just been faithful already. Two episodes in, something like 20,000, 30,000 downloads. Uh, which Opening is doors. Unreal. Uh, there's a yes. lot of incredible stuff coming. And uh, I'm excited to... As we roll this out, stay stay posted on our social media. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, stay listening right here. Share the podcast. Uh, just continue to get the word out. And uh, I'm excited. Boys, I yeah, love doing this podcast. With I do you too. too. I'm looking forward to coming back next week Yeah, and hearing your story. That's, a, that's the third yeah, that's episode. That's going to be powerful. The final story. If I haven't told you guys today, I love both of you. You're awesome. And uh, I love having these conversations with both of you and the energy and the insight you bring to the conversation. Um, man, I'm all about you guys. Hey, Brian, we love you too. <laughs> Thank you. This has been fun. Love reading stories, answering questions. Yes. Keep sending those in. And uh, Nate, Brian, I love you, fellas. Love doing this podcast love with you. We love you. And uh, I'm excited as we continue to grow and go and point people to Jesus. That's what it's all about. Let your life song sing this week. <laughs> this has been an RFP Extra. Check back next week for a full Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Join us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Visit our website, recoveringfundamentalist.org. T-shirts available now.